Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 232nd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Oh, I'm doing great, Cameron. How about you? Not as good as you, because your team won the Super Bowl. Mm, feels good, How's man. it feel? Feels good. Um... I don't know what else to say, man. I was part of making it happen because, and so was Cameron, because yeah. last time the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, we were all at your house watching it. So we recreated everything exactly. Pretty much. To ensure that they would win again. And it worked. And it worked. And we'll do it again next year. Hmm. You think they're going to be in the Super oh, Bowl yeah. again? Absolutely. Every year from now on for the next 20 years. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, well, Cameron's a Broncos fan, so he was being a good sport. He was there and just, just playing nice. and As I do. As yeah, do. yeah. Is that, is that hard for you to do? Um, No, living in Missouri, I feel like that's just kind of like, I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah this is just how, I'm, how yeah. it's going to be. Not going to cause a ruckus, really. Yeah. Yeah, wow. di- different for me because I don't root for a team that's rivals with the Chiefs, and I've never had any reason to dislike the Chiefs. If yeah, any, fun to watch. I'm not saying yeah, it's yeah. not hard to act that way. Sure. I'm just saying oh. that's what I try to do. Well, you do a great job. How about that Nick Bolton touchdown? Oh, Nick Bolton. Almost he should have been two. MVP. He yeah. should have had to. Yeah. That would have been. He should have had to. I knew they were never going to call that a fumble. Though. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> Did they challenge that? Or is that something else they challenged? I don't think they something challenged. Something else. Something else. I think maybe that was automatic review. I don't know. Because touchdown. But um, Nick Bolton was incredible. I love him. As much as much fun as it is to watch like Patrick Mahomes in the offense, obviously, I love just watching Nick Bolton on every Chiefs defensive play. He's involved on in just about every play. Yeah, he he was incredible, and uh, I feel like it's impossible now for a non-quarterback to win Super Bowl MVP. Pretty much. But if that second touchdown would have counted, how do you keep it away from? I think him? you have to. Yeah. Hmm. I wanted that if all so the bad. other stats are the same. Yeah. That would have been pretty nice. And Mizzou Super Bowl MVP. Man. Still, though. Hey, Mizzou, Mizzou Super Bowl touchdown. Yeah. Defensive touchdown. Pretty awesome. Pretty incredible. Uh, one of our good friends uh, that we were watching the Super Bowl with went to the parade mm-hmm. uh, today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful day for the parade. I bet Absolutely. that was a lot of fun. Looked like lots of people there. Yeah. Not necessarily something that I would want to do personally. Uh, that's... That is a lot of people. I can't imagine it was easy getting in and out of there, but uh, credit, uh, kudos to anybody that went and did that. Looked like fun. Um, what do we actually have to talk about today? We obviously big win over Tennessee, but then just a ridiculously bad win- loss. Uh, a win. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> a ridiculously bad loss against Auburn. We'll talk about both of those. And then a couple home games coming up. Before we get into all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and you can support us directly financially on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. We're almost to 500 YouTube subscribers. Almost to 500. Help so us get there. If you, if you watch on YouTube, even if you don't, just go ahead and subscribe. It, you know, it doesn't cost you anything. And we're trying to get to 500. Um, okay, Tennessee game. Uh, first of all, this is always how it goes. They always win the game furthest away from our recording date <laughs> and then leave us with a bad loss as the most recent game. Bad taste in our mouth. Ugh. 
it always has to be that way. But let's rewind back to when things were a little bit happier. Mm. Mizzou basketball beat Tennessee 86 to 85. Producer Cameron. It into Golston, left sideline, comes into the front court. Golston, a heave just inside of half court. Bang! Bang! At the buzzer! Golston's second game winner of the season. First against Central Florida, and now against Tennessee. Great call. Great call. He was ready for that, man. Yes. He had that locked and loaded. Yeah. As speaking of that, he was ready in a way that the TV broadcast was not ready at all. <laughs> uh, I was like... They were just like, oh, yes, oh, like, and then that's just all they could say. Silent for five seconds. Yeah, but which that was fine. I, silence is fine. I wasn't really listening the first time because I was running yeah, around my house, exactly screaming, upsetting <laughs> my daughter. She was crying. Mm-hmm. I was still yelling. She eventually figured out that it was a happy thing happening, and then she <laughs> started cheering, but she was still a little scared. It was an emotional moment. Yeah, throughout that, the house, that was just utterly unbelievable moment. I mean, as Mizzou fans, we haven't had a whole lot of those go our way in the last few years, really in a long time. Yeah. So to win just on a pure buzzer beater in a game that just, man, a, this was not just like some non, non-conference game against whoever. This was like a huge game of the season on the road against a top six opponent. I guess they were ranked six. Yeah. Um, just a massive win. and. It felt so improbable. By the by the end of this game, I was thinking, this thing is over, man. The yeah. the refs are slowing this game down. Tennessee was making everything and it just felt like all hope had been lost there for a little bit towards the end. And so it just all the all of those factors made it just such an incredible moment. Yeah, let's get let's get back to that moment. So Mizzou, incredible first half, I think scored forty four points, making shots. Just draining everything. Yes. And looked incredible. To the point where it's one of those games where you don't expect them to win, but then they get up by a certain amount where you're like, okay, now we've reached the point where I'll be crushed yeah. if we lose this game. Basically. Yeah, I mean, we came into the game thinking Tennessee does everything well that exploits us. You know, they're a great rebounding team. They they take away the three-pointer most of the time. They've got the number one defensive, number one ranked defici- defensive efficiency in Kempom. That's, wow, that was really tough to say, <laughs> apparently. You know, they just it, nothing about this game felt like a game that Mizzou was going to win, especially on the road. Missouri's really not played well on the road this year, and they have historically shot really bad um, in pretty much any road game this year before that. So I came in with pretty low expectations for what was going to happen in this game, obviously. And so to be up, you know, what, what double digits at halftime, uh, yeah, I just was I was pretty shocked. What if I had told you before the game that Tennessee was going to score eighty-five points? Would that know. have made any sense? I mean, maybe because Missouri's defense is so bad, but I just maybe that means that I would have thought we'd kind of be in a little bit of a shootout, mm-hmm. but I just don't know. Yeah, I don't think I would have been surprised if Missouri lost the game by twenty. It, like I kind of thought the Auburn what happened in the Auburn game might be what happened in the Tennessee much game. much more likely to happen in the Tennessee game, right? Yeah. Um, at one point, with about 15 minutes left in the second half, Missouri was up 59 to 45. And then the game came to a screeching halt. There was a whistle on every possession, and Tennessee shot, I think, approximately 5 billion free throws. <laughs> uh, yes. Somewhere in there, they went on a 15 0 run to take a 69 to 64 lead. And then it was like, okay, well, um, 
it that needed to there needed to be a struggle for the lead with like two minutes left but it happened with eight minutes left Mm -hmm. and they just it looked like tennessee was just gonna cruise right past us and just put it away i mean they were in the double bonus i don't know so with like like, 12 minutes to go in the half like it was ridiculous yeah and uh yeah they were making their free throws and then Tyreek Key, who maybe we should have mentioned in the pre in the preview, um, if we had known when we recorded that Josiah Jordan James wasn't going to be playing, then we would have known that, that Key was going to factor in a little bit more. But he ended up being the Kempom MVP of the game. He was five of nine from three, just was making everything for a stretch. Huge reason uh, Tennessee came back in this game. Mm-hmm. Him and the free throw shooting, basically, right. Yeah, I think what frustrated me so much was, you know, obviously it felt like a lot of the calls were going Tennessee's way, but really just the inconsistency between the halves. Like there were not very many fouls called in the first First half. half, was super physical. Good flow of the game in the first half, and then it was just completely different. And I didn't feel like the game was being played that differently. It felt like the calls were different, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, Missouri was playing with just – they were playing so free in the first half. It, it's almost like they were playing like they knew they had nothing to lose almost in a way. Like they just looked so comfortable. They were taking almost like you could say low percentage shots at times. Mm-hmm. It just didn't matter. Like yeah. Sean East was just, you know, he was just doing his thing. And uh, it just felt like a stretch there. Every single shot was going in um, in the first half. It was really fun. Um, Coach Gates talked about that after the game. He mentioned uh, everybody staying relaxed and not, the environment was not affecting them. The caliber of the opponent was not affecting them. And even though, I mean, you could tell watching this Tennessee team, they are good and they're coached well. They have a good game plan. The way that they are physical and yet are trying to get calls on on the flip side is very frustrating for an opposing fan base because like they're all over your guys. And then the second that Missouri would try to be physical back, Tennessee would flop. Mm -hmm. And I think credit, especially in the first half, I I mean, it may be easy for me to say Mizzou played out of their minds in the first half, but I thought the first half was officiated really well. And it didn't seem like they were falling for some of those. um, They were like, if Tennessee would flop and it was pretty obvious, they were calling it a block Mm -hmm. instead of an offensive foul. That was really good to see, but uh, Missouri ended up in foul trouble anyway. Uh, Des Moines Hodge fouled out. Kobe had four fouls and had to sit. They had to bring him back at really around that like eight-minute mark yeah. with four fouls, and but he ended the game with four. There were a few possessions you mentioned where it looked like Missouri was kind of on the back, taking a back seat a little bit, not quite as aggressive because so many fouls were being called. Right. It looked like at at one point it just became like, well, what do we do? Yeah. And I feel like you could almost tell they were like a little incredulous, like what, like well, I don't know what else to do. Like yeah. we're, it just they got the refs got in their heads. Yeah, at one point, for sure. Yeah, and it seemed like it was affecting Missouri on offense as well. Like Kobe, when he came back into the game after having four fouls, he was a little more timid on offense. He was not being as physical not driving as much he was settling for fadeaways and jump shots a little bit more Mm -hmm. but he was hitting those in the first half um diara fouled out as well so uh mavor majak got uh four minutes of game time and i think he had a block shot and a rebound and made a free throw yeah honestly he's played okay whenever he's productive four minutes emergency minutes he's he's played a few a couple of games here um 
a crucial play down the stretch that I thought was like doomed us was when they didn't call an and one on when Kobe drove yes and, and cut the lead to one yep I mean that was really late in the game that I mean, was a foul we knew even in the first half we might not get another possession I think yeah. it was potentially that late yeah in the game and they of course have been calling everything up until that point and then Kobe just gets hacked on a on a layup. And it's like the first time we've like driven strong to the basket yeah. in like 10 minutes and we don't get the call mm-hmm. that was a, a bit maddening yeah uh, Tennessee's point guard uh, Ziegler is that his name yes I thought that was maybe uh, the other very pivotal moment of the game there at the end when he got called for his fifth foul on a play where he kind of took a gamble honestly kind of yeah. tried to pick the pocket of I guess it was it East at that point I or think Nick so. Honor yeah and completely unnecessary it. play completely unnecessary yeah. and they really needed him to be in there and, and Rick sent us to the line I think maybe uh, yeah I think so uh, Rick Barnes was kind of letting him oh, have it he was so on the bench. Unhappy. Yeah. Um, then the last couple plays, I mean, the Vescovy missing those free throws, I kind of felt bad for him. Like that was the same spot the game before against Vanderbilt. He missed the free throw and they lose it on a three at the buzzer. And then to turn around and be in the exact same situation. Yeah. And he misses. I could not believe he missed both. And he missed the, the first second, one badly. Yes. And then the second one uh, didn't even matter. They The announcers called it a foul, but I think it was just a lane violation. It was. But uh, yeah, it wasn't. And he missed it either, he, anyway. Yeah. But uh, we were, uh, Cameron was mentioning um, the fact that it was a lane violation and we got to just inbound the ball with no, yeah. without mm-hmm. a live ball situation. Right was pretty huge versus even if he misses you're catching the ball live and have to go make a play right yeah just perfect amount of time to inbound it and have Golson just dribble dribble down they they didn't really pressure him much it's no. like they were afraid to foul which yeah. I, they might have had a foul to give did they or were, were I we can't remember i can't remember yet either at this no, point surely not that late at that point yeah, yeah. but they clearly didn't want to foul because they were giving him space. He had plenty of space to, to put up a clean shot and just happened to go in, man. Yeah. Yeah, Golston. I didn't. Th- even now, picturing it in my head, it doesn't feel like that shot should have gone in. Like, just everything I know about being a Mizzou fan, yeah, that doesn't go in. And he's done <laughs> it twice this year. Yeah, he's kind of been like an anti, like, what we've seen. And I like, just, he's so clutch. Like, I don't know how he just keeps doing it. He's Green like Mike Golson. Yeah, Green Mike Golson, man. Mm. At this point, like, I don't know. You can't really criticize him anymore for anything he no, does. No. Like, he's kind of he can be kind of frustrating to watch, but you know, at this point, he does what it's he fine. does. Just do what you do. Yes, and I'll just be okay with it because you've earned it. Uh, he finished with 18 points, four of five from three. He hit another big three a few minutes before, yeah. actually, towards the end of the game. That I was already kind of just like in. Like, well, I hope this goes in, but it's probably not even going to matter mode. Yeah. Like, it was all, it was almost over at that point, and we absolutely had to have it. Yeah. Uh, Kobe Brown with 21 points, three of five from three. The team shot better from three than two. 50, <laughs> oh 54% from three, 52% from two. I mean, that's what we said last week. Would had to have been the game plan if we were going to win. Like, we're not going to go in there and just bang around down, so- down inside and and score in inside against Tennessee, especially on the road. Like we just, as dumb as it sounds like this and the analysis is we just got to shoot over the zone. Just, just what's crazy is Tennessee 
attempted two more threes than Missouri. Yeah. Because, I mean, the announcers called it out when it happened, but uh, at some point Rick Barnes was like, okay, we're going small. Yeah, we're getting open looks. And uh, they subbed out their big guys and just tried to, uh, which I guess that's what you have to do when you're down double digits at halftime, but um, for the team at home that's supposed to, I mean, it reminded me of uh, the Missouri playing against Mississippi State where mm-hmm. they Missouri just kind of abandoned what they do well and we was like, okay, to, we'll try to yeah. play your style. Uh, Tennessee did that at home, and it actually worked for them. They mm-hmm. got back in the game that way. But it's kind of insane that uh, Tennessee shot 28 threes and also went to the free throw line 33 times. Yeah, yeah, I think they went to the line twice as many times as Missouri did, and that that played a huge factor. Obviously, Missouri made more field goals, more three-pointers, and it almost didn't matter. Watching Tennessee crawl back into the game at the free throw line was excruciating. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. You want to know something about Tennessee? Let's hear it. They just beat Alabama. Just right now? Right now. (laughs) Okay. Well, did they, they must have shot really well from three or something. I think uh, I'll look up the final score, but it was pretty fairly low scoring game. And I don't know where it was played. Actually, there's, there's 19 seconds left, but they're, they're winning 67 to 59. Wow. And it's at Tennessee. Well, they've bounced back. Yeah. They didn't even lose their number one uh, defensive rating on right. Kempom after giving up uh, 86 points to Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, Mizzou moved up to second overall on offense. Offense immediately after the game, yeah. Right. And then I think they're all the way back to, down to like eight or nine at this point. So, of course, that couldn't be the most recent thing that happened, but a huge uh, resume win for Mizzou. Like, that's going to be, well, that's one of the better wins in conference play in the conference this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tennessee just pulled off one of those as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see here. Anything else about that Tennessee game? That was just incredible. I rewatched that last <laughs> shot maybe 100 times yeah, since then. And I I, the first like 10 times I watched it, I was convinced he was going to miss. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's like I, I, these intrusive thoughts start coming in like, what if you missed it? Like this joy I'm feeling right now would not oh, exist. Man. Like I'm, th- I w- I'm this close to not experiencing this happiness. That would have been so sad. But I watched it so many times. I, I like to just pick out random people in the crowd and just oh, like sure, watch sure. them and just like, oh, wow, that was a great reaction. And like go to the next person <laughs> and just watch different people. A new person every time. And see how they react to it. Yep. Mm. So, yeah, with that win and then uh, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, there was a lot of overlap in the fan base. Yeah, it was a, it was a great weekend. Happy people. Weekend, yeah. Of course, uh, it couldn't last forever. Mizzou had to go to Auburn and lose 89 to 56. This was just an awful basketball game. We don't have to talk about it too much, but um, what happened, man? I mean, I I mean, I guess I can kind of tell you what happened, but it's like I, I mean, Auburn came in ready, man. They had a great game plan. Game plan. They took away the three ball. They extended their defense. Took away what we do well. Made us go inside. I mean, we were missing bunnies too. I mean, they kind of gave us the interior, and we didn't do anything with it. And uh, Bruce Pearl. I had the guys ready to go too, man. He was. Let me, he, yeah, I think maybe let me try to spin this a little bit. Okay, let's let's hear it. Auburn going into this game had lost five of six, 
and they kind of put everything on this game. Like Bruce Pearl was talking about it being a must win, like publicly asking the crowd to show up and be loud for this game. So when you go on the road and you're facing a team that's kind of on the ropes, they at least are feeling a little bit on the ropes, kind of cornered, and they're like, okay, what's going on here? Are we just going to fade down the stretch here? Or are we going to actually do something this season? It really felt like they staked a lot on this game. And I feel like that's kind of hard to overcome. Like that's kind of high risk, high reward for Auburn to be Mm -hmm. like, we're putting our season on this game. Yeah. At least, you know, superficially. (laughs) Um, But it seems like it worked. I mean, the fan base was there. They were loud. The team was locked in. They were engaged for sure. I saw Bruce Pearl in an interview before the game. Uh, He was kind of like trying to, I guess, put himself in Missouri shoes a little bit. And he was saying like how big of a game it was going to be for them and everything, which is true uh, because of the SEC standings and all that. But um, he said something to the effect of, you know, Missouri is on the bubble. And, you know, I don't I don't really you know follow that stuff too close. But, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, Missouri's trying to get off that bubble. And I just thought that was kind of an ignorant comment where he, I don't know if he really truly meant that exactly yeah. as he said it or not, but I'm like, that's not exactly true there, Mr. I Mr. feel Pearl. like uh, I could maybe give him the benefit of the doubt. And like, that's what you tell your team uh, basically to trying to motivate him. Like the rest of the season, your opponent is like fighting for their life. So you better be ready to come yeah. with that same energy or something. Yeah. But I, there's definitely coaches out there that have no idea I guess. what the bubble situation it is seems, exactly it seems impossible to me <laughs> that's what they have assistance for i guess um I, yeah there's not much to say about this auburn game i don't know it was just brutal. Uh, missouri shot 37 percent from two 23 percent from three uh they made their free throws but they only went to the line 18 times and the worst thing probably of all of this is missouri turned the ball over 16 times um which is I think a season high for them. And uh, one of, we talked about recently, I think it was the Mississippi State game, but I think that's like the third time now that Missouri has turned the ball over more than their opponent. Yeah. Uh, Katie Johnson, uh, I'm sure he's a, I'm sure he's a great guy, but I am sick of playing against him, man. I don't know what it is, but he turns it on every time we play against him. He is just so frustrating, makes big shots. Like He's only a junior. It seems like he's been playing for Auburn for so long, and maybe it's just because he is that frustrating. But I, and I don't even know how good he is when he's not playing Missouri. <laughs> I don't even think he's a great three point shooter, but he was making everything last night. Yeah, that was uh, yeah Auburn, not a good three point shooting team, but they shoot uh, nine of 18, 50 percent in yep. this game. That's uh, that's been a common theme this season. Yeah. Uh, Janai Broom finished with twenty points. He was kind of getting whatever he wanted down low for a little bit. Uh, 20 and 10 rebounds for him. I don't know. I, I can't even quite put my finger on like what went wrong matchup wise. Like on paper, this shouldn't be the type of team that blows Missouri out. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned it last week. Smaller guards seems like the kind of team that we can match up well with. But again, just that uh, kind of voodoo that comes in on the road. I don't know what it is, but that, that hit pretty hard. And uh, yeah, they I, shoot they shoot thirty percent from three, just under twenty nine point nine percent from three on the season. That's three hundred and forty third. 
I really thought they were just going to pound the paint and uh, just kind of take over down there. But I thought uh, I thought Missouri's shooting would keep us in the game. Yeah. I, I can't remember how many. I probably said five times, like, okay, Missouri's got a run in them. Like, yeah. And then every single time, Auburn would go on a run. Yeah, I think they kind of got their their spirit broken there after a while. And, you know, just Auburn started off so well. I think at one point it was like 19-2 to two or something. It might have even gotten worse after that. I don't know, but. I think uh, Missouri kind of just twenty-eight to six at one point. Yeah, I think Missouri said, "Okay, y'all, y'all can have this one," um, and it was pretty evident. Mm. Well, regroup, uh, regroup on Saturday. I think that's that's what it felt like. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Uh, Missouri, after that one, now has a record of nineteen and seven overall, seven and six in SEC play, fifty-sixth now in Ken Palm. They were 48th before the Auburn game. Uh, eighth overall now in um, offensive efficiency, 217th in defensive efficiency. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out specifically is Kobe Brown is now number one in the SEC in three-point field goal percentage <laughs> at 46%. That's insane. He's eighth in offensive rating. Third in effective field goal percentage, 18th in steal percentage, 16th in two-point field goal percentage in conference play. He's making the case for first-team All-SEC mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. Yeah, I think he gets there. If he's in it today, I think he's there. Yeah. Um, also, Nick Honor shooting 40%. And Des Moines Hodge is at 39.3% from three. Seems like in uh, in some of these SEC games, like, well, the two that we're about to talk about, it can't just be Kobe. No. One of these other, um, you know, one of these other guys has to step up and score to like, like, like Golston did in the Tennessee game, 18 points. You need yeah. Kobe go for 20 plus. Yeah. And then you need one or two more guys in that 12 to... 18 range yeah yeah i feel like noah carter can do that too um man i wonder can you tell me what dr is shooting from three like he actually looks like he's got a pretty nice touch from from three and i'm sure he's probably shot less than 10 threes on the year uh, it feels like he's made a decent amount of them on the season he's four for 10 oh, okay i mean well, i guess that's still 40 percent. one of those games was a 0 for two he's four of eight in conference play yeah he he, he can shoot He's a confusing player to watch. <laughs> like, he'll make an incredible play, and then the next time down the floor, look lost. Yeah. If we, if he could... Just needs a little more playing time. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Developmental player, right? Yes. Well, he just has got to get some consistency. Yeah. Even if the highs weren't as high, bringing that floor up would do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, we get... Uh, He's probably going to get a lot of run in these next two games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, homestand against Texas A&M and Mississippi State. So, th- both rematches for Missouri. Um, we're looking at Texas A&M first. They're on a three-game winning streak. They are 18-7 and seven overall, 10-2 and two in SEC play. Came out of nowhere. And 33rd in Kempom, 20th on offense, 72nd on defense. Uh, there are three wins here. Uh, Georgia and Auburn at home. And then they beat LSU on the road. 
in that Auburn game, it was uh, it was kind of a weird game. They just they did what I was hoping Missouri would do against Auburn, just march to the free throw line. A <laughs> and M shot thirty nine free throws in that game. They do that though, isn't that kind of a just a Texas A and M thing? A and M gets to the line. Auburn fouls a ton, so yeah, that was perfect matchup for a and m there but uh i mean how how can missouri get back on track here and not just let a and m beat them twice in the same season i mean we get this one at home but yeah it's a bad matchup yeah they've got to put the auburn game behind them and i think they just have to get back to playing the confident ball that they were playing just even against tennessee like just play relaxed and I mean they just got to find the stroke again like just see the ball go in and kind of get their confidence back and uh, hopefully that'll go a long way I mean obviously Texas A&M is still stylistically not a great matchup but this is absolutely a winnable game can I give you a little uh, conspiracy theory that has no research put into it yes absolutely I love those okay so Texas A&M and Mississippi State are Adidas schools so the basketball that they use is Wilson brand okay Mizzou. That already seems like more research than I thought was going to go into this. <laughs> Missouri is a Nike school. Okay. They use Nike basketballs. It can you tell a difference? Who knows? Wow. Maybe just that tread. Yeah. Just with that. Them. Just that grip is a little, a little different. Maybe. Grip. You know. Okay. Um. So now we get a good chance to see what's going on here. You got to use that Nike ball at home though. yes exactly so we got two teams coming to town that usually use the wilson basketball oh man how will that affect their shooting is missouri getting a bump at home or other nike schools when they get to use the nike basketball mm, interesting i don't know I love will that. we ever find out who knows that's a great thought cameron uh, you might be, you should put some stats to that like do some research you should publish that if yeah. uh, i'll i'll look I'll do some research, and if it backs up my claim, my conspiracy... Tell no one except Dennis Gates and tell him to buy some Wilson balls when they're going on a <laughs> double Adidas road trip. Double Adidas. Sure, the more I think about it, surely they have some Wilsons that they practice with. Just I don't know. To make sure. Maybe. They'll be using Wilsons in the NCAA tournament, I can tell you that. Oh, oh well, God. better stock up then. Yeah. I'll email Coach Gates and let him know. Well, how yeah. do you know what balls are going to be using in a tournament? Well, I've paid attention. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Kyle, I don't know if you know this about me, but I, I like sporting goods. I I did know that, actually. Okay. So, you, like, you like a good a good made, a hearty basketball. Uh, yeah. I Maybe like a, a, even a football. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I, like, I, I pay attention to what's being used out there. They're uh, strictly I, like Adidas or Wilson balls. So, yeah, since Adidas doesn't make a, like, game ball that would be – high enough caliber for NCAA play, mm -hmm. uh, they use Wilson. Wow. Now, maybe a hot take. I think the Nike schools should be using Wilson basketballs as well. Mm. Okay. But yeah, I just, understand. They make, they make a better ball? That's just my personal opinion. What about it? Can you it's, it's, articulate it at all? It's just, it just feels good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I'm not telling, I'm not telling the... Uh, I'm not saying we should be using Wilson shoes, right? Right. I think Wilson does their basketballs really well. They got their core competencies. Exactly. Okay. 
Nike just straying a little too far away from their core competence. To oh, competence. they're all over the board. Exactly. They're doing everything. Exactly. Stretch too thin. Mm-hmm. Let's try. I'm going to try to reel this back in. Um, yeah. Missouri at home. Will they be able to shoot well from three against A&M and Mississippi State? With the Nike balls, yes. I agree. Um, now, yeah, I mean, these these are two humongous games. Yes. And they're, I mean, honestly, like, not that exciting of games. Like, we're talking about, our, not the seasons on the line, but, like, we're talking, like, maybe still potentially a double bye in the SEC, in the SEC uh, conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Still mm-hmm. on the line. Like, obviously, these games are must-wins, but these are not exciting games. They're going to be a little... I don't know. I'm going to take a page out of Bruce Pearl's book. A&M and Mississippi State both fighting to make the NCAA tournament. Are you saying this might be their Super Bowl? I'm saying we need to come prepared for these teams to give us their best shot. Because from here on out, everything's must win. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense, but that's how the coaches talk. So we'll adopt the same language. Uh, A&M, what are they going to do in this game? They're going to drive to the basket, try to go to the free throw line, and get Kobe in foul trouble. Try to get Kobe in foul trouble. They're going to out-rebound us by 100. So we have to be able to turn them over, score in transition, make threes. By this point in the season, we know how Missouri wins games. Yep. It's not by rebounding. We know it's, the formula. It's not by uh, getting the other team to not shoot well. Yeah. If the other <laughs> team doesn't, if the other team doesn't shoot well, great. But it's not because of anything we did. Yeah, exactly. The formula is score seventy points, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, I I thought we were going to lose it. Everybody thought we almost lost that streak mm-hmm. against Tennessee. And you almost called it. Oh, yeah, I predicted that that would happen against Auburn. We scored. Oh, I thought 56. it was. I thought it was Tennessee that you predicted that again. Yeah. Um. Mississippi State, it's another rematch. Uh, we faced them on the road earlier this year, uh, just recently. Since then, Mississippi State beat LSU and Arkansas. They're 17-8 and eight overall, 5-7 and seven in SEC play, 39th in Kempom, 172 on offense, 4th on defense, and they are ranked 328th in tempo. Now, my question to you is, is Missouri going to try to play their normal brand of fast pace, turn you over, launch from three basketball? Or are we going to try to play Mississippi State's style of play like we did on the road when it did not work at all? Man, I kind of hope we learn our lesson a little bit against Mississippi State, like with the subs and just that those lineup builds were weird. And, you know, I, I hope that we kind of try to get back to who, we, who I feel like we play the best as, and that is kind of run a gun, smaller lineups. Uh, definitely DR is going to be in there quite a bit, in my opinion. Just try and slow down Texas A&M a little bit. And I just imagine there's probably going to be some foul trouble just the way this, these games typically go. So you probably are going to see some Shaw and some Diara in there quite a bit. But ultimately, uh, yeah, I, I want to see threes getting launched um, and just try and get back in a groove. Yeah, I think DR has earned it, though. I mean, mm-hmm. he's played well enough to yeah. be getting, you know, well, well let me look. I feel like sometimes uh, I like imagine that these guys are getting more minutes than they actually are. Diara, 16 minutes against Auburn and 18 minutes against 
Tennessee. That seems about perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiden Shaw, 10 minutes against Tennessee. I feel like he played more against Auburn. Yeah, 20 minutes against Auburn. Those two are going to have to make some plays. Everybody else is going to have to play solid, and then those two are going to have to make some pretty big plays, mm-hmm. defensively probably. I want to predict two wins here because coming off that Auburn loss, we need to bounce back a little bit. Um, looking at bracketology right now, ESPN has us as a seven seed. Um, CBS, before the Auburn game, had a four seed. Gary Palm. Yeah. That's a little... That's an outlier. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like seven... That is updated after the Auburn game. That's I like that. Mm-hmm. That's optimistic. Yeah, I think that's still pretty real, very realistic for for Missouri. Yeah, I'm just like in my head. I'm planning. I'm just like, okay, we're gonna be a nine seed, and it's just gonna be a bad matchup, coin flip situation. We're gonna play like Providence as an eight seed, and they have some slow tempo big man team that's gonna <laughs> beat us or something. No, don't do that. Don't do it. We're gonna be we're gonna be off the eight nine line. Okay. We're gonna be seven seed. It's just like we look so good against Tennessee. I mean, is that just the? F- I don't know. I, I those games back to back make no sense to me. Absolutely none. I mean, just both complete our out, outlier games in different ways, obviously. But I mean, if we play that Tennessee, if we play both these games like a hundred times, like these outcomes, neither one of them probably happen very often. Right. And. You know, I think the Auburn game, like, there was quite a bit of variance that you could, like, describe. You could, I mean, I, I think Missouri was just tired. Like, they didn't come home after the Tennessee game. I think they went to Atlanta and hung out there for a while. And I, I think they just wanted to be home. And I'm just going to tell myself that that horrible performance just had something to do with, like, it was just a long road trip and they were ready to go home. And obviously, they're going to have to get through that if, you know, later in the season and some of these other tournaments, they're they're going to have to deal with that kind of stuff. But I just would like to think that, you know, Missouri is a very volatile team, and I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way, but it just means there's going to be big swings and they're going to have high highs and low lows, and, and we've, seen, we've seen both. So looking at these matchups, uh, they could turn Texas A&M over a bit. Um, maybe we get some favorable calls at home and A&M doesn't shoot. 50 free throws that would equal a win i think so i'm gonna plan for that give me mizzou over texas a&m 78 74 that's pretty impressive 78 points on texas a&m let's get them sped up let's get it running yeah splash some threes i like it yeah i agree with you i think missouri's gonna win this game um i think it'll be a little lower lower scoring i'll give me a 7167 I'd feel pretty good about a Mizzou win here. Texas A&M, I just kept expecting them to like come back to earth in SEC play and they have not. They just keep playing well. And I mean they they've had such a strange season that their non-conference was so mediocre that it's still like pulling them down in like the analytics ran- rankings and like the bracketology and stuff yeah, like to the point they're, where they're still a bubble they're team. literally a bubble team and um yeah they're they're 10 and 2 in the sec like second place i yeah. think yeah pretty wild and they're not even ranked either right right yeah oh well, oh god 
The ranking discourse. Ranking. Oh my goodness. Do we even? Ugh. I'll just say like, it's like I I care because it is like a respect thing, and I think it's kind of a at this point it's like a brand recognition thing almost, and I feel like Missouri. I don't know. I I do feel like slighted that Missouri is not ranked. Um, yeah, yeah. And well, you know, I don't know that they really deserve to be a whole lot higher than like twentieth. Yeah, I mean, they're probably in that like 20 to 25 range in my mind. Um, I thought this was really funny and just perfectly encapsulated this season. Uh, Mark Kim tweeted, made a chart to track the cycle of the 2022-23 Missouri Tigers. (laughs) And you can pick any place to start. Uh, So this would be, I don't know, depending on where you are in the season, you start somewhere on this cycle. This team could be scary in March, turns into we deserve more respect, turns into this is the worst basketball team I've ever seen, <laughs> turns into there's a good basketball team here, and then back to this team could be scary in March. Yeah. And we have gone through that cycle, it's I think, perpetual. three times now. Yeah. I mean, that's I feel like that's almost why I'm okay with them not being ranked is because they play better when, they, when they're the underdog. Yeah. And we've always been that way. Yeah. Like... Let them have that chip on their shoulder. Let them, Let them feel like they're being slept on and yep. being slighted. And yeah, whatever. Give them the bulletin board material, all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the players don't really care that much, but from the fans' perspective who care more about that like macro kind of brand perspective, yeah, it, yeah. it makes us angry, Yeah, understandably. Yeah, and I feel like you just pull off like a marquee win like that at Tennessee right. with a buzzer beater, just 25th. Exactly. Just to, just to be like, yeah, oh, okay, good job, Missouri. You did yeah. it. Well, it is a collection of votes, Cameron. It's not just like one person picking, but I understand what you're saying. Oh, uh, one person had us 13th. Yeah. Who were they? Who's 25th? Like FAU? Is yeah. that who that like smaller school is? That's like yeah. 25 and 2 or something? Mm-hmm. Um, Mississippi State, still vulnerable to turning the ball over, but I don't know. I mean, the way that Missouri played in the first matchup was that it looked like. Missouri never wins this game. Like based on that previous matchup, yeah, it was just looked so bad that that's how I feel about every game they play on the road except for Tennessee. It's like, how does this team win a game? Yeah, I think they're going to get it done. I do too. I'm, I'm a little bit hopeful. I I don't think we, if we just go back and do the exact same thing that we did on the road against Mississippi State and lose the same way, yep, that'll be pretty frustrating and maybe yeah. a little bit worrisome. Mm-hmm. I really don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to do okay. Mississippi State, they're not going to score a ton. I think Missouri wins this one 68-61. They're going to win a game not scoring 70? Yeah. I don't think they... mm. No, the rule is if they score 70, they win. They've won before without scoring 70. Yeah, but I think it's really bad. I think they have a terrible record when they don't score 70. That is also true. true. They beat UCF, only scoring 68. And that's the only I one. I think it's the only one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, the analytics are against you. But Mississippi State is like one of a kind. They are an anomaly of a team in just their style of play where, yeah, winning with like 65 points would not be that weird to me. But I think they'll win 72. Missouri will win 72 to 64. 
Yeah, totally. two kind of low-scoring, ugly games that we win, in my mind, is how these are going to go. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we shoot better from three than two again. Like, it's going to be close, yeah. I think. This is the, these both are games that that could happen. Um, Tolu Smith from Mississippi State, in case you forgot. Uh, I didn't. Third on Ken Palm's all-SEC all right, Ken Palm Player of the Year wow. rankings for the SEC. Yeah, he's in my nightmares. Man. The top five right now on Ken Palm, Brandon Miller, Colin Castleton, Tolu Smith, Oscar Shibwe, Janai Broom. So it's a pretty good group. Uh, word on the street is that Castleton broke his hand tonight. Really? Yeah. That. Big news. If he has to miss much time, I, that – yeah, that ruins huge. Florida. I feel like. Yeah, he's really, really good. He's kind of doing everything for them this year. Two wins, we think. We got this. Bounce back. Yeah, back it's, at home. It's bounce back time. Big game against A and M. Need a. Oh, the the crowd will be there. The students will be there. Yeah. That that hasn't been a problem this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that it for this week? Yeah, I think so. Well then, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod. BigCartel.com. Can we? Can you hit me with that call again? I was trying to pull it up before I got here. Sorry. Before you got so, here. Before I got here. Yeah. Before, before we arrived at this moment. Yeah. It's for, it's for one <laughs> together. You ready for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. See you next week. Central Florida, and now against Tennessee.